Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Echo on from Inside Voices, where we talk about the use case for Inside Voices, i.e. the business case for why you would purchase Inside Voices. Before we get into that, let's do some introductions. Echo, would you do us a favor and uh, introduce both yourself and Inside Voices? Sure. Hi, William. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Echo Sani Thomas, I'm the founder of Inside Voices. Uh, my career is actually in finance. I spent 13 years in corporate finance, largely in real estate. Um, and I effectively grew tired of seeing myself as the, or being the only black face in every room I went into. You know, I've worked for firms in London and New York, and I consistently found that there was a lack of representation and particularly a lack of representation at the top. Um, I saw even companies that were able to hire diversely, not able to get those people to stay and promote them. Um, and after the murder of George Floyd last year and the protests that followed, I saw every company releasing statements that were very similar about what they were doing um, and their dedication to anti-racism and Black Lives Matter. Uh, but I knew every company wasn't doing the same thing. And I realized that without transparency, uh, we're really at a disadvantage. You know, there's no true accountability and there's no way for job seekers of color to protect themselves from organizations and workplaces that really aren't going to value them despite wanting them because they realize that diversity is a competitive advantage hiring. So I set up Inside Voices, which is an anonymous employer review site, which allows people of color and engaged white allies who care about and think about diversity to review their company and say how the company's performing at diversity, equity, and inclusion, what it's really like to be there. And then our key question is, would you recommend this company to a person of color and why? That's where we really get the context and the we get down to the nitty gritty about what's this company really like and is this a safe space? Uh, what I love about this and what I love about what the, the, the mission, I mean, I wish we were further along, you know, stated and covered, but we're here now. And so we have to deal with where we are is, is you're really kind of, it's easy to say that you're for diversity and inclusion. It's so easy to put, throw something up on a careers page, put it in a job description, et cetera, and, uh, and then not follow through. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, recruiting folks, having them stay, so engaging them in retention and then promoting them and doing internal mobility. And, you know, those things, you know, years ago, those things were happened behind the veil. No one would know that they would happen or didn't happen, et cetera. And one of the things I love about you pulling all this stuff and making it transparent is that it's it's now out in the open. So now we're not now we're not going to we're not going to have any secrets. Secrets are going to be out in the open. We're going to then we're, and you know what the good thing the good news about that is you can fix it now that you know that this is a problem. You now have a wonderful opportunity to fix it. And what the last thing I, I think is I want to get your take on toxic environments. So, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the values I see of inside value, of, of voices is not, is not just because you, you mentioned at the very end that created, you know, a safe space. 
uh, which I think is absolutely critical, but it's also avoiding the places <laughs> that are absolutely toxic without knowing that they're toxic. Yes, um, and that's, you know, that's really what drove me to create this. I was actually at a firm that had a very good reputation for ESG, so environmental, social, and governance. And, you know, racism and anti-racism really falls into the S in ESG. But I realized from being inside the company that they actually weren't really paying any attention or even doing what I would consider to be the bare minimum. And, you know, I was actually going through, um, I was in a toxic work environment myself. I was actually going through, I was being discriminated against at the time. And despite being, you know, very vocal and basically spearheading diversity at that organization at the time, when I you know, raised the grievance to su suggest that I was actually personally suffering, um, you know, they kind of tuned me out. And I just found that, you know, without transparency, without people having to account for the fact that, you know, the message, uh, what they did can be heard and um, remembered, companies that aren't actually accountable to anybody. So despite what their, their reputation doesn't actually have to match up with reality. Um, and I think, Really, the part that is um, clear that became clearest to me in that was that I think generally leaders, particularly leaders that are not part of minorities, that are not part of groups that are traditionally oppressed, right. underestimate the number of negative interactions related to that protected characteristic that a person needs to experience to feel like they no longer want to be part of the company. I think they think that you know anti discrimination um, anti discrimination policies are probably not perfectly effective. I'm sure nobody believes that their policies are working perfectly, but they think they're doing enough to protect them from a reasonable level. And they think, you know, there's going to be some, and that's just by the by. And I don't think companies are really realizing that the difference between what the leader thinks the organization represents and what the people on the ground are experiencing doesn't have to be huge for you to have a significant problem in retaining people of color and minorities. And so really what we wanted to do with this is expose that gap, expose that difference, and try to crowdsource ways to fix it, you know, by being specific about the issues that people are facing in these environments, whether it be explicit racism from infrequent members of other teams, whether it be feeling like there are no opportunities for people to look like you, whether it just be feeling like the organization does not tailor anything towards the fact that you are different and, and um, represent the things that you care about. These things can have an impact on how different people feel included within these organizations and that needs to be expressed and shared so that we can try to fix the problem. I love that. Let me, let me ask you a quick question on uh, your personal uh, experience. Cause, cause I want to kind of use that as a, as a way of talking about it for, for other folks, you had a grievance, you went to your manager and you obviously got tuned out. Now on one side of my, you know, there's a sinister, there's a sinister part of this, right? Uh, they're, they're just racist, bigots, you know, misogynist, whatever. You know, there's just a sinister side, right? And then there's another side of this that, that I don't know because you were in the situation is they just didn't know what to do. Like yeah. they were as paralyzed as, 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 as you were. They just didn't know what to do. Now, it's not an excuse, and nor should it be an excuse, but... What did you, first of all, what do you see, you know, cause you, you have a wonderful vantage point of actually being able to see this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. What do you, what do you see? Like when, when someone airs a grievance, 
you know, it, it, I know that some of it's sinister, like, okay, we, we all live in the same world. Some of it's going to, some of it is sinister and going to be sinister, but some of it's not. So what did, what did you feel at the time? And then what do you see? So I think there's two things there. Um, first is, I think it's important that when we're talking about these incidents, is that yes, you know, the person that was doing this to me, I do think they had personal bias and that was impacting the way they were treating me. Right. But for me, it's not, and I think it's important that when we think about these issues, we don't focus on the individuals. But I think we mm. need to focus on the systems that are allowing these individuals' personal biases to impact the decisions that are being made on behalf of the organization, right? Just because you have people with bias within the organization doesn't mean your organization has to make decisions that are impacted by that bias. There's no world in which we're going to get rid of all the racism in the world. Right. Companies should definitely not be tasked with doing that. It's just not fair. But companies do need to be responsible for what happens under their watch and who they're um, putting in positions of power and what training and what education and what controls there are to make sure the decisions those people are making reflect the decisions that are in line with the values of the organization. So that's the first thing about the, the incident such individual. Right. Then on to, do they know or can they figure out what to do? I totally agree with you. I think the issue is that they don't know what to do. Um, and that's really difficult. And I think when they don't know what to do, they are on the side of, well, unless we have definitive proof. Do nothing. Right, exactly. It feels like the safest thing to do. You know, it's very similar to the way um, our justice system treats rape. Right. right. Without definitive proof, we're just going to err on the side of, well, sorry, we can't help you. Right. The thing I would say is we're talking about, you know, I'd say pretty much every single company, especially every large company has this problem to an extent. So we're talking about companies that are creating self-driving cars, putting people in space. You know, these companies are doing insanely transformative things, innovative things. If they were able to dedicate their resources and they felt that it was reasonable and appropriate to dedicate the amount of resources that it would take to figure out how to get through that hurdle, get over that hurdle even, I think that they would be able to figure it out. Really, that's where Inside Voices comes in. We're not, as much as I would like to, and in the future, we hope to be part of the solution. At the moment, really, Inside Voices is about realigning the incentives for organizations to apply the appropriate amount of resources to fixing this problem. By saying, you can't hide behind um, PR anymore. You now have to accept the fact that your reality is going to be out there. So if your reality is not the reality that you would like to be presented with, you now need to change the reality rather than just changing the statements that you have. I love that. I love that. So years ago, I was I was an advisor to a startup that was an anonymous feedback um, a startup called Hyphen, and they got sold uh, to BetterWorks, and it's kind of woven into their product. But they don't focus, and they nor 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 did they focus on specifically the, the what you're trying to solve for, um, which I love. But anonymous feedback, the way I understood it then is you're going to get everything. So some of it's, you know, you're going to get some noise, but you're going to get it all. Susie's sleeping with Jimmy, John stole from Tommy, you know, you're going to get it all, right? You're just going to get, because it's synonymous, people can put anything in there. When it's tethered to a profile, a LinkedIn or, or some type of login or employee badge or whatever, people, you're, people will give you the story that you want to hear because they don't want any of the blowback. And so you won't really get the full story uh, and the stuff you get will be generally speaking, will be positive. 
And obviously you aired when you built the company, you, you aired on the side of, you know what, I want to do anonymous. I want people to be able to speak freely. How is that? How is that? I mean, when you, you, you made the decision to do that I, and, and I like it, um, what have you seen from, you know, your customers and the people that use, you know, use the system? What have you seen from them in terms of them getting that fire hose of feedback as it relates specifically to, to diversity and inclusion? Probably you've got a little bit of belonging, equity and equality in there as well, but, you know, what have you seen from them in terms of the types of feedback that they're getting? So I'd say the first thing that I wouldn't say surprised me, but I think surprises most people is that the feedback that we get is overwhelmingly positive. Right? Huh. Most companies are scoring above the median line um, where, you know, the, the, app, um, the middle score. Um, and I think that really speaks to the fact that I don't think expectations are actually that high. <laughs> um, so the bar also, was lowered and we somehow tripped over the bar? Is that, yeah, yeah, I think the bar is lower than we would want it to be. Um, and also, you know, we don't actually know what score someone needs to be getting right. to want to stay at an organization for the next two, three, four, five years, right? But what is important is that they are giving good reviews and people are really just trying to um, paint a picture of what it's like to be at the organization. And they really do, you know, you do have the different uh, variety of reviews. There are some that are quite short and they basically just say, you know, this is somewhere that I would say, come and work, we're growing quickly. They seem to care, but I'm not that sure. Or you get the ones that are, you know, really detailed that say this, this, and this happened, you know, at a macro level, these are the moves that the company's making. I was really disappointed when, you know, for example, we had one um, and I think the start of the review was that the company had fired the head of diversity at the start of the year only to advertise the role for a lower salary a month later um, and you know these sort of these incidents give you an give you a picture of the organization right I think they're important I think the biggest thing for us is that generally we want to get away from um, soliciting reviews so we want to get away from this you know um, people coming to us when they want to report versus people coming to us when they want to receive information. We really want to get to that glass door model of, um, you know, you come to read reviews and you submit reviews when you've come to read because then we're going to get, you know, that nice mix of people who have positive and negative things to say. But as I say, overwhelmingly things have been positive. People aren't going into their own personal detail. And that's really important to us. You know, we've asked that everybody protect their own anonymity, but also the anonymity of other people in their organization. This right. isn't a whistleblower hotline. Um, but yeah, I've also been um, a little surprised at some of the feedback. So for example, um, I think it's 80, around 80% 80 of our respondents are people of color, 20% are white people. White people will actually score their companies lower than people of color have been, but are more likely to answer more favorably to the question, would you recommend your company to a person of color? So that's just an interesting insight that we've, that we've garnered over the, out of the reviews we've got so far. I think it's a wonderful, it's a net promoter score uh, question uh, that yeah. ultimately kind of unearths everything underneath it that you know if, if you're not willing to recommend uh then there then they're, you've already said what needed to be said um and that gets to the company to the job to the manager you know to to all of those things i love i absolutely love that and again you know it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of what i love is you're shining a light into the corner 
and you you've, you've even said you know your PR statements uh, that you know you can't you can't hide behind those anymore. I think just statements in general. Uh, I think any, and I, I think this has been years building, right? So it's not this isn't just a COVID related or George Floyd related thing. I think that Me Too, Love Is Love, Black Lives Matter. I think there was like a, a wave of these things that finally got people over the edge of just saying enough is enough. We've got to actually words aren't enough listening isn't enough action right. budget you know we've got to act you've got to actually do something and now you've got a mechanism to then highlight where people are doing those doing good good things and and, and also highlight where they're not yeah and i think you know i think these these things have been growing over time and we did see a peak in 2020 and mm-hmm. i do think it was because we had you know we had more eyeballs. Everybody yeah. had time to pay attention and be engaged in the things that they do care about, but you can be distracted from on a day-to-day. And, you know, really the reason that Inside Voices is probably can exist now, but I actually don't think it probably could have a couple of years ago, is because the way that the movement happened last year really awakened a protest spirit in a lot of people. Right. I think the, the spirit of getting engaged and, you know, being, you know, an activist and doing something to help move forward the things that you care about. I think that's been awakened in people as a result of COVID. I would call it one of the silver linings of the COVID pandemic. Um, and I would say that as a result, Inside Voices can exist because you know we are asking people to, as much as we're doing our utmost and asking them to do their utmost to protect their anonymity, we are asking people to take a small risk um, you know, it's almost, uh, I like to describe it as an act of good trouble. You know, John Lewis talked about mm-hmm. good trouble, this act of uh, positive civil disobedience. We're asking people to do something that you're, you know, you're probably not supposed to be doing, but, you know, rest assured we are protecting anonymity, but people are doing it because they feel like they need to do something. They feel like they're tired of it being this way. And if they can contribute, you know, it takes three minutes to do a review. If they can contribute three minutes to try and make their company and other companies more diverse, they're ready to do it. You know, the thing that we say in Inside Voices is it doesn't matter if we're going to get good, bad or ugly reviews. This isn't about, you know, just pointing out the bad companies because you can't right. see how bad they are unless you see how everyone is. So we really want can, to get the, the, full, the full. I can tell you as, as, as an ally, uh, Echo, one of the things that, you know, I think you're right, you know, less business travel, less noise, less, you know, more times you know, focusing on kind of the things that matter, family and whatnot, and larger issues in, in the society. I, I, think, I think a lot of folks kind of came to the realization on the ally side, I would say, of you're either part of the, of the solution or you're part of the problem. You know, it, 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 it is that kind of, you know, uh, one or the other. And you got to pick a side. Which one are you going to be on? And how are you then going to both help and then be supportive and learn and listen and do all the things that you need to do to be a part of the solution? Um, I wanted to ask you a quick question about unintended consequences and maybe even good intentions. So, you know, things, and again, things that you've seen both personally, but also through inside voices of where maybe a company thought they were doing the right thing. (laughs) <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe they thought they were doing the right thing or maybe they had good intentions, but it didn't play out the way that they wanted it to. How do you, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile, you know, that, that a company tries something again, 
uh, and it and it just it's it it may be the unintended consequences. You know, they tried a, a, a women in leadership program, but the way it was written, the way that they hired it, it, it really it really kind of put off the, a, a different part of the community for whatever reason, like an yeah. unintended consequence. What have you what have you seen so far? So we haven't seen too much of that, although I'm sure if you asked the CEO of every company that had negative reviews, they would say that that goes against what they intended. Right. Um, what That's I would say point. is, you know, I think when we talk about intentions, we hold diversity to a different standard than we hold other company metrics. Um, there's a great TEDx talk by Dr. Joan Williams, and she talks about diversity. And she says if a company was struggling with sales, they wouldn't throw events telling everybody how much they cared about sales, and they wouldn't have a bunch of conversations about how much we really, uh, everybody should value sales, and we really hope you do better. They would focus on the outcomes, and those right. would be the deciders as to whether they're doing well or not. So with diversity, as much as, you know, and it, it is heartwarming, and it is appreciated that companies want to do this well. But, you know, at the same way that companies want to sell more, companies want to have more profit, you know, your, your intention isn't necessarily what you're judged by, unfortunately. Unfortunately, your intention isn't what's impacting the rest of the world. It's, it's interesting because, you know, and, and again, people could hide around behind intentions and words uh, in previous generations, you know, and, and now they can't. So right. it's it's cool that you have the uh, the intention to change the, the the racial mix or the gender mix or to get pay equity right. Um, it's it's great that you the words on a page, press release, you know, etc. The the intention is there, fantastic. But it's I think it's the judgment now is more on the outcome, right? Right, and it should be like okay, your intention, you know, whether or not you have the intention or not. Okay, cool, that's great. What was the outcome? What does your leadership team look like? Mm -hmm. You know, and if it's all pear-shaped middle-aged white guys, you know, your intention doesn't matter because the outcome hasn't changed. And I think a thing that's important to remember about this is that we're also, as I say, we're trying to change the incentives. So it's only going to be the bottom 10% of companies that feel the sting of the bad reviews mm-hmm. and see it impact their ability to hire, right? Because that's what it re- really what this is about. You know, 76% of millennials say they want to go for, want to work for companies that embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we're using that uh, intention um, to say, well, the, these companies are actually not doing it. These companies are the worst performing companies. Maybe that impacts the decision you have as to whether you actually want to go and work there. So it's only going to be those bottom companies that are impacted. And I would find it. I would be surprised if we, you know, once it really shakes out who those bottom companies are, feel as though their intentions are as pure and as strong as the companies that are performing much better than them. I could talk to you for hours. Um, I have to ask you about the software and, and the technology. When you when you show people kind of the back end uh, or, or behind the scenes and what they can learn about their own company. What what do they fall in love with? What's that aha moment? So at the moment, we're actually building out what will be our revenue platform, mm-hmm. our revenue generator, which is inclusion analytics. Right. So obviously, you know, we're at the moment, the review site is highlighting companies that are performing well and not performing so well at this. 
but we really want to be part of the solution. So we're building out a platform that we use AI to look at the data that we've received from reviews, identify what is making people feel more and less included at organizations, breaking that down by groups into age, race, gender, et cetera, and seeing for the makeup of your organization, what will improve the score that you have? Because an important thing to remember when it comes to diversity within, corporate, within corporations is that recruitment is only part of the problem. A large part of the problem is also retention and getting people to stay longer is difficult, particularly for people of color. And we already know that high, um, recruiting people of color takes longer and costs more money. So if you can get them to stay longer, that's almost a double win. And that's really where we're trying to uh, give companies that win. We're gonna say to companies that are not performing as well as they would like. Well, we have the data, not just from your reviews, but from every company's reviews, from companies within your industry. We understand the things, the trends that are moving companies towards better performing um, scores. And we'll use those as, we'll give you those suggestions so that you can improve your company's inclusion and improve retention as a result. Yeah, I love that because you're, you're, you're dealing with the front of the full circle, right? It, how do you attract you know, the, the, this talent, how do you engage this talent? How do you promote this talent? How do you retain this talent? And so I right. think the analytics will drive those conversations and programmatically the things that they can do to then uh, activate all, all of those things. So I love it, Echo. Um, I love what you built. I love what you're building. So congratulations. It's wonderful and needed, required, and uh, great timing. Um, thank you so much for coming on the Use Case Podcast. Thank you, William. If I can just say, just before I go, we are partnering with recruitment companies, executive search firms. If you place people at organizations, we want to partner with you so that we can help you understand those organizations better and give your candidates better insight into the organizations they'll be joining. So reach out to us, please. Oh, greatness. Greatness. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.